This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, friends. This is Annie Grace answering questions. I am the author of This Naked Mind, and I am coming to you today with a question from Colette. She says, I want to know why as a society we continue to hold up alcohol almost as an idol, despite it being such a dangerous, addictive, and life-destroying poison. The research is there. Why can't government or health professionals or scientists, etc., present it for what it is, much like what's happened with tobacco and cigarettes? It's simply Is it simply the power of the profit or the alcohol companies or the ad agencies? What is it and why is it that we still hold alcohol up as this idol when it is so dangerous? Well, I think that's a really good question and I think there's a lot that goes into it. Um, first of all, I mean, let's just establish how truly dangerous it is. Like if you look at deaths per week, right? So if you look at all illegal drug overdoses every week, Illegal drug overdoses, 327 people are killed in the United States per week. Uh, that's statistic as of last year. And all prescription drug overdoses, more people actually die these days from prescription drugs than uh, illegal drugs. It's 442 people per week. Alcohol-related deaths are 1,692 people per week from alcohol, and that's according to the Centers for Disease Control. Um, alcohol is actually, the World Health Organization recently said that it has surpassed AIDS as the number one killer for men ages 15 to 59, and it is one of the world's number one leading preventable causes of death. Um, and then if you look at the knock-on effect, you know, the, we're just talking about these, these are the individuals who are drinking, you look at the knock-on effect and it's horrific. I mean, over 50% of car accidents involve alcohol, 1 in 10 drivers on, on the road every night and weekend are drunk, 75% um, of child deaths resulting from abuse have alcohol involved, and if you are looking at men who are convicted of child abuse, they are 10 times more likely to be alcoholics than not. So yes, alcohol is horrific. And I mean, there's just no denying it. Um, CNN published an article last week, you can see it on my Facebook page, about the fact that there is not actually any benefit to moderate drinking and any amount of alcohol is dangerous. And uh, that is, again, just saying that we've, held this substance up somehow as something that it really truly isn't. And I think the answer comes from a few areas. Um, when I was writing my book, This Naked Mind, my editor, she was she's in her late 20s, and I initially wrote the book and I didn't include a chapter on all the dangers of alcohol to the body, to the mind, to society, because I thought, okay, everybody knows that. You know, I'm almost 38 years old and I kind of knew it was always dangerous. And she wrote me back, she was, um, Annie, you know, you're starting with the presupposition that I believe that alcohol is harmful. And actually I don't, I think my friends and I all think that it's pretty good for you. You know, it reduces heart disease, which again has been disproven in this whole study of all these different studies. They took the data, they examined it. No, it doesn't. Um, and she said, so I think you need to actually start from the presupposition that alcohol in moderation is good for you. And so I did, and I did all the research and no, no, it's not good for you. So why is it that it gets a free pass? 
And I think there's a few reasons. I mean, number one, um, I think there's all sorts of probably political reasons that I'm not qualified to get into, but it is taxed at a very high rate. So there's a lot of money to be made in it. Most bars and restaurants, uh, restaurants, they actually make a huge amount of their money from sales of alcohol because it's marked up so heavily. So if we just, you know, started to demonize alcohol tomorrow, I think that a lot of bars and restaurants would actually go out of business. So that's somewhat terrifying. Um, so there's this huge just money thing around it. And I'm sure there's lobbyists and big corporations and all sorts of stuff like that. But what I am much more qualified to talk about is the advertising and the social media aspect. So my day job is I have a digital marketing agency and um, we work with business to business clients. So very much clients who are in sort of large businesses, apologies about the dog. And uh, one of the things, one of the ways that I was taught to market was to think about the products, products, product. And so that sounds weird, but what it really means is that you aren't selling what something is, you're selling what it can do for you. So if we take perfume, for example, the product is a yellow liquid, right? And if we put that on a poster, obviously nobody's going to buy that. Um, looks a bit like pee. Uh, the product's product is a yellow liquid that smells nice. But again, you don't see perfume advertisements saying, oh, buy this yellow liquid, it will make you smell good. No, what you sell when you're trying to sell perfume is you sell um, popularity, you sell sex really at the, at the crux of it. And you sell the things that this nice smelling liquid is supposedly gonna get you. And I think that is done extensively in alcohol advertising. Um, the most expensive advertisements of all times are for Budweiser and Guinness, and both, as you would assume, during the Super Bowl. But the most expensive ad of all time is $133,000 per second was spent on this Budweiser advertisement. And, you know, they wouldn't be spending that type of money if it didn't work. And just take a look. The next time you see an alcohol advertisement, take a look at what it's selling. Because if you look at alcohol, what's the product? It's a liquid that doesn't really taste that good. You usually have to acquire a taste for it. And, you know, it ends up that you don't feel good the next day. And there isn't a lot necessarily inherently going for it. So they really have to dig deep when they're trying to sell you stuff. And so what they do, advertisers and these companies, you know, they have psychologists on staff, they have huge budgets and they look into what are the most fundamental human needs, you know, the need to overcome loneliness, the need to be connected, the need to find friendship, the need to be accepted. You know, these most fundamental of human needs really end up being at the crux of what you see in alcohol advertisements. And so look in alcohol advertisement, you know, some of them, they'll promise a threesome, you know, when does that happen? You know, unless people are too drunk to remember or care, um, you know, the, what they're selling you tugs on your deep internal needs. And it's funny because they're so over the top that we often think, oh, well, that doesn't, that doesn't affect me. Well, guess what? No, it doesn't affect you consciously. You say, oh, that's completely over the top. That's not um, relevant to me, but actually, because you think it doesn't affect you, your unconscious is even more susceptible to it. Your unconscious repeatedly gets the message that something's missing from your life and that's something, that connection, that deep sense of social intimacy, those friendships, that romantic relationship could be different, could be filled with more drinking and more alcohol. And, and they wouldn't do it, they would not spend this kind of money if it didn't work. Um, and I've been in marketing for 15 years and I consider myself a very good marketer and I think, yes, it works. And so 
Um, I think that's a big part of it. But then it goes a step further because we create, it wouldn't, it wouldn't just work that way. But what we do is we actually create living walking advertisements. So, you know, you see your parents drinking and, and because we put alcohol in every single social environment, every single social engagement. I mean, I was recently at a baby shower um, and it was in Colorado. So not only was there a huge, you know, bunch of alcohol, there was a whole bong set up too, because, you know, that's legal here. And, you know, people could just had their choice or whatever. But of course the mom-to-be couldn't do any of this. So she's just sitting there and it's in her face and she, you know, like wanted to maybe be partaking or something. And I was just sitting there like, wow, even at baby showers now, even at kids' birthday parties, you know, even at funerals that I've been to recently, we have alcohol. So we've we've combined it with every single social experience. So as a child, you're growing up assuming that these things are completely linked, that alcohol is key to having a good time. So yes, the advertising is there, but then we as people are complete walking advertisements. We go through and we demonstrate with our actions that alcohol is vital to having a good time. And it wasn't vital to having a good time when you were a kid, you didn't drink. It's it's not vital to having a good time now. It's just that we feel so deprived when we're not drinking because everybody else is that we mistake that for having a bad time and it reinforces this idea. But you don't need alcohol to have a really good time. And, um, and that's the truth. And then it goes a step further because now we have social media and most, you know, millennials, you know, they, we get our news from social media. You know, I think that that is not the best thing, but it's the reality. And, um, and so there's thousands of articles. There was a doctor in Canada and he did a analysis of how many different articles and publications and studies had been written on the harms and dangers of alcohol. And it, a hundred to one, the studies on the harms versus the studies on the benefits. And again, the studies on the benefits have recently, someone's compiled all those studies, gone through them all, and really disproven a lot of the perceived benefits. But the studies on the harms, literally a hundred to one in terms of how many um, studies there were put out there. And the truth is that um, alcohol, I was just told my video was sideways. Um, <laughs> the truth is that alcohol is we share those stories so much more frequently than we share the story. So you can do this like a quick Google search. You can Google alcohol danger and you come up with really credible sources. You come up with things like the National Institute of Alcohol and Abuse, stuff like that. But if you Google something like alcohol um, harms, you come up with the Huffington Post, you know, things that are articles. And why? That's because that's the things that get shared and you can see it in social media, but we share things based on the science of sharing really has to do with social currency and social currency is things that make us fit in, things that make us look good, things that we think our friends will enjoy reading and nobody wants to be that party pooper on social media. So we don't share the things about the dangers. Um, we don't share the things about alcohol hurting and we, sh sorry about that. And we share extensively the things about alcohol being helpful to us because that you know something like oh your happy hour is as good as your gym membership which is an article i saw recently has so much more social currency um people think you're cool for sharing something like that when everybody just thinks you're kind of being debbie downer if you share something about the fact that alcohol is a known carcinogen so i think it's a complex answer and it has to do with a lot of different things and I hope that you didn't mind watching this video sideways. Apologies for that. But have a great day and keep asking questions. I will keep answering them. Again, Annie Grace, author of This Naked Mind. 
This has been Annie Grace with This Naked Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can learn more at thisnakedmind.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word. Thank you.